Welcome to the Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Ashley Weaver is a mild-mannered Louisiana librarian who enjoys creating mayhem in her Amory Ames mystery series. With husband and wife amateur sleuths reminiscent of Agatha Christie's Tommy and Tuppence. And the same country house parties and unexpected death. Hi there, I'm your host Jenny Wheeler and today Ashley talks about the tricky relationship between Amory and her playboy husband Milo and why she thinks cosy murders are still so popular. But before we get to Ashley, just a quick mention, the show notes for this binge reading episode can be found on the website thejoysofbingereading.com. That's where you'll find links to Ashley's books and website, as well as to the authors she loves to read. But now, here's Ashley. Hello there, Ashley, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's great. Now, beginning at the beginning, was there a once upon a time moment when you decided that you wanted to write fiction, specifically fiction? And if so, what was the catalyst for it? Uh, Well, I was always an avid reader growing up. My parents read to me a lot and took me to the library and things like that. So I think I was in elementary school, and I don't remember if it was a little school project or something like that, and they had us write a story. And I remember having it click in my head that I could take ideas from my own brain and put them on paper and, you know, make my own story. So that was kind of the uh, beginning of when when I realized that I could take a story from my head and put it on the page and make, you know, make my own book, so to speak. But uh, so I've been kind of writing ever since then. But I wrote what was really my first full length novel starting my freshman year of high school. And uh, it was sort of what I call a gangster mystery romance set in Prohibition era Chicago. And I would write a few pages in the evenings or on the weekends and I would bring it to school for my friends to read. And uh, they would kind of uh, read it at the lunch table or during our breaks and give me feedback. So that was sort of my first taste of writing for an audience. But ever since then, I've kind of just enjoyed taking the stories that I come up with and putting them down on the page. Yes, yeah. And so you say freshman year. How old would that be for people who aren't so familiar with the American education system? Oh, yes. Sorry, that was my, uh, I was around 14. Okay. That was my first year of high school. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's really gorgeous. So now you've got six historical mysteries published the most recent of which is the Amory Ames series. Uh, the most recent of which, sorry, is the act of villainy in the Amory Ames series. Set in England in the 1930s. So what made you choose the mystery genre and this historical period? Well, I've kind of always, um, for one thing, for the time period, I've kind of always felt like I was, you know, born in the wrong era. I've always enjoyed uh, reading historical Uh, books and watching historical, you know, uh, shows set in different times and things like that. So, and I grew up uh, watching a lot of movies from the thirties and the forties. And so kind of that, uh, when I was young, I liked that Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire aesthetic with the women in the evening gowns and the men in tuxedos dancing in fancy nightclubs. And then as I, you know, got a little older and learned more about the period uh, between the wars and, you know, moving from the older social structure into the more modern 20th century and kind of that push and pull of tradition and progress 
it time period became even more interesting to me. So that's kind of why I settled on the thirties. And, uh, as far as mystery, I've said before that I've, I've dabbled in a lot of things. I've tried a few different genres, but I've kind of found consistently whatever I, whatever I've written, somebody gets murdered in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it kind of is like mystery is sort of my thing. And I guess maybe that was, uh, mystery has always been something I enjoyed reading from when, from the time I was really young, I read, you know, Nancy Drew and the Hardy boys and things like that. And then grew up and I, you know, uh, moved into like Agatha Christie and Nio Marsh. And so th- those kind of that golden age of mystery held an appeal for me. So when I started yes, writing this series, yeah. it was kind of like the, uh, the setting had kind of already, you know, the time and place were kind of already set in my head. Yeah. So I've actually really enjoyed, um, I've, I've read two of them so far and I've got a third one half going in the car as a talking book. So, oh, yes. <laughs> but um, the character of Milo, now your central character, Amory Ames, has a slightly controversial sort of marriage to her husband, Milo. He's charming and loving, but elusive. And it's unclear whether he does actually have affairs on the side or whether he just likes to be mysterious and keep her guessing. But I think it's fair to describe that he comes across a little bit as a fickle Mm -hmm. spouse. How has he been received by your readers? Uh, Well, I knew kind of from the beginning that I wanted Amory to have a a complicated marriage. I I, uh, find in a lot of stories, you know, there's kind of a, a whirlwind romance and then they get married and live happily ever after the end. But I thought it would be kind of interesting to take the after the happily ever after and look at a couple who uh, met and, you know, they're both charming, beautiful, rich people and kind of, you know, they seem ideal then they meet and fall in love and get married. But then what happens kind of after you have to sort of adjust to marriage and get to know this person that you married rather quickly without, without knowing them very well. So I thought that would just be something interesting to explore in the story but I've had kind of I guess mixed reactions to Milo Uh, he seems to be one of those characters that either people love or hate um I get some readers who say you know I would have you know if I was him I would have you know divorced him or she should divorce him and move on but then also you know it's a different time with different you know social repercussions for divorce and things like that so Amory's kind of having to also deal with that sort of thing but then there's people that do really enjoy him and there's speculation about his character and um but one of my favorite reactions was I was actually at a, a signing and we we're doing the Q&A at the end and a gentleman raised his hand and he said, I have a question. He said, uh, will we ever have the pleasure of seeing Amory investigate Milo's murder? <laughs> so, so I guess he wasn't a fan, but Milo does have his fans. <laughs> There's a few of them, but I, I just thought it'd be interesting to kind of take, you know, he's sort of your stereotypical rogue, but, uh, you know, it's not always... The way it appears in, you know, um, kind of like I said, those whirlwind romances is not always going to end up a happily ever after. So, you know, Amory's kind of having to deal with that as as she deals with mysteries. Yes, and I, I've got this kind of suspicion in the back of my mind that there's going to be some backstory revealed in future, which is going to sort of explain it all in a way that will be satisfying for readers. But it certainly keeps the books alive because, um, you know, everybody's kept guessing. Yeah, I'm try, trying to, to kind of keep people guessing. And also I feel like, um, you know, uh, with the series, for me it's been six years writing, but within the framework of the story it's been under two years since the first book to the most recent book. So in in real life people don't work through their problems too quickly. So I'm kind of trying to keep them in this sort of semi-realistic 
framework where it's a little bit up and down, not just go from a lot of troubles to the perfect marriage. They're still having to work through things. Yeah, and also not go from, you know, a few questions to immediate demands for divorce. Right. Either. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen a suggestion that they're similar to another smart and witty married couple who solved mysteries together, and that's Nick and Nora Charles and Dashiell Hammett's The Thin Man. And I wondered if that had been there in the back of your mind as you were considering their who who your main characters were going to be. As you've also mentioned, you've seen a lot of those old movies. Right, and I did enjoy the Thin Man movies growing up. I didn't uh, deliberately really model uh, Amory and Milo on the Thin Man series, but I've always kind of enjoyed that idea of husband and wife sleuths, uh, you know, Nick and Nora, and then there, uh, Agatha Christie had Tommy and Tuppence. And so I think it's kind of an interesting dynamic when you're partners in life and partners in solving crime. So uh, yes. I just thought that would be kind of fun to take them. And then, you know, uh, the mysteries are kind of additional conflicts in, a, in to the conflicts they have in their marriage. So in a way, these bad things that happen in the case of murders or mysteries they encounter are also kind of what brings them together and teaches them how to communicate mm. and work as a team. Yeah, that's right. And the reviews that you've got make constant comparisons to, the, to what they call the golden age of mystery writing, the classic Agatha Christie era. Have you consciously modelled them on the Golden Age mysteries? And if so, what do they have in common with those earlier stories, do you think? Well, the Golden Age of mysteries has kind of certainly been an inspiration to me. That's kind of uh, my favourite genre to read, I guess. I'm a big fan of Agatha Christie. And as I said, I grew up reading a lot of her books and things like that. So kind of an uh, inspiration to me. But I guess I like the, um, as I said, the time period and... I think my books kind of have in common with those sort of what a lot of cozy mysteries have is kind of, you know, that limited group of suspects in a certain place and an amateur detective who's ideally suited to solving the crime, whatever it may be. And then of course, that's kind of, you know, the limited violence, you know, the violence off screen, so to speak. And I think uh, people kind of relate to that sort of quainter side of murder, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like a puzzle to be solved. Right. Yeah. And Amory is a strongly gender neutral name. And you've said that that name came to you in a dream. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Had you been inviting your subconscious to, to give you a character name or did it just pop up randomly? It was completely random. I, I remembered uh, waking up and I had had a dream about a woman named Amory Ames and I didn't remember anything else about the dream except for the name. And I thought, oh, that would be an interesting name for a character. So I had uh, what I called on my computer a document. It was just titled Ideas. And anytime I have an idea for a story, whether it's, you know, a line or two of dialogue or just like a one sentence plot idea or even a few paragraphs of of a story or whatever, I'll write it in my ideas document. So uh, I just kind of started writing a little bit of this and I wrote a couple paragraphs and I knew it was something that I was going to want to want to keep working on. So I moved it from the ideas document to its own document. And then that's how the first the first book, Murder at the Brightwell, was born. Yeah, great. What do you enjoy most about creating this series? Well, there's so many things I enjoy. Uh, I guess in the initial stage of each book, I really enjoy coming up with the, the settings and developing the characters. I like kind of, uh, first of all, picking, you know, where the story is going to take place and kind of uh, each of the books kind of has 
revolved around sort of a different, I guess, theme, so to speak. There's one set in Paris and, you know, they're involved with uh, the perfume industry. And then the most recent one in Active Villainies set around a, a play. So there's kind of, I like, I enjoy coming up with kind of, you know, where the, where the mystery is going to happen and kind of how it can unfold in, in an interesting way. And then also the character is always fun. I, I enjoy picking the characters and then kind of finding the names that will suit them. It's always fun for me to, to pick out the names for the characters. And then um, I really enjoy coming up with ways to keep Amory and Milo kind of on their toe, their toes, both in the mystery and in their relationship. You kind of got to, you know, balance their good moments and those little conflicts that are going to arise. And then I love it. Uh, when the mystery all comes together, because I don't, I don't do an outline. That's my next question. Actually, was it sounded like you might outline quite in quite a bit of detail, but no, you don't. I don't outline, and I actually don't even write my books in order. Uh, when I first start out, my books usually end up being around eighty-five thousand words, and I'll write about the first fifty thousand words of completely random scenes, and then. I'll kind of start piecing them all together and filling in between. And then kind of at about that 50,000 word stage, I'll decide who the killer is. <laughs> so then that way, oh, gosh. Yeah, I, don't, I don't decide ahead of time. I, I hope that if I'm not sure who the killer is, then maybe the reader won't be either. But I kind of find that if I give everybody a little bit of a motive and kind of explore those motives, and then usually something will, something will click for me. And then that's the moment when it all comes together. That's a really exciting moment. Yeah, it sounds like it. So do you lo- use a writing software like Scrivener for that when you're doing random scenes at, at, or, or just, no, just you use a Word I just, document? Yeah, I just use Word. Oh, very I'll good. Usually, yeah, I'll just do the 50,000 words usually, and then I'll open a fresh document and start kind of piecing it in in order. So I guess in a way it sort of becomes a complicated outline because I've got all these different scenes, but then I know, you know, what I know several scenes that are going to happen and kind of how I have to fill in to get to where I need to go, so... And so does the killer usually reveal himself after you've written about 50,000 words? Usually, yes, because I'm trying to, um, when I'm writing, you know, you have to give everybody their motive, but also there needs to be kind of hidden motives. And so I'm sort of thinking about that as I go. And then usually it'll work for me. There's been, I think, maybe one book where I knew pretty early on who the killer was going to be. But in my last one, The Act of Villainy, I was pretty far along before I came up with the solution and then I was really excited how it kind of all ended up coming together. But of course, once it's finished, I'll go back through and, uh, you know, make sure I don't have any loose ends and try and tie up all the little, the little clues I've left behind. So yeah, hopefully yeah. it all, hopefully by the end it, it all makes it. <laughs> did you start out with a series in mind? I did. I, uh, actually when I wrote the very first book, I kind of knew that I wanted to explore Amory solving several mysteries. And just as a reader, I really enjoy, I really enjoy series. And, you know, if I find one I like, it's always exciting yes. to know there's more to read. So I kind of thought it would be fun to, you know, to be able to follow Amory. And then also, of course, like I mentioned with her relationship with Milo is something that kind of gets explored as the series progresses too. But I uh, had written the first book and I kind of left it a little bit of a cliffhanger. Um, I left actually the very last scene in the book was not originally included when I, when I submitted it to my agent and she read it and she said she liked it. She said, but, um, it needed to have a little bit more closure because readers don't like to be left hanging. And so I wrote the last scene she said, you know, you can still have a series and have, you know, a little bit of unresolved issues to be going into the next book, as long as you don't leave people dissatisfied. So I added the extra scene and she was right. It turned out much better. So, (laughs) 
So, but yeah, I did, I did want a series from the beginning. Yeah. And so when she submitted it to editors, initially they signed me for two books. And then about a month later, they came back and offered me two more. So from, from pretty much the beginning, I knew I was going to do be at least four. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. The mystery genre comes second only to romance in terms of popularity these days, and it still seems to be on the rise. What do you think it is that appeals to readers about mysteries? I think uh, mysteries are kind of, in a way, they're unique in terms of readers' experience because readers can take part in mysteries. You don't know who the killer is. You're trying to solve it right along with the detective. So you're kind of in there in a unique way in that you're you're participating in the story in a way that you can't always do in, in other genres. And then I think also people have struggles and difficulties in their own problems in life. And when you can take a book where you've got a big conflict, like a murder, and then it's, you know, neatly resolved and justice is, is served in the end, it kind of, it's, it's satisfying to, to the reader. Yeah. 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 That, that's a good way to describe it. Um, turning to your wider career, perhaps just moving away from talking about the specific books, you do also have a full-time job as a Louisiana librarian. How do you fit in your writing around your other work and home commitment? Well, I'm a night owl, so I do I do most of my writing late in the evenings. You know, I'll come home from work and do what I need to do and have dinner and things like that, and then and then write in the evening. But I'm not um, too much. I don't I don't necessarily write every day. So, uh, but some days I'll set, or like, uh, probably in January, for example, I'm going to do a goal of a thousand words a day. And so I'll start out writing. And then by the time I finish, you know, get through January, I'll have my, my 31 days of 31,000 words completed. So I kind of, uh, squeeze it in like that. And then of course being a librarian kind of also fits in with my writing career. It's useful because I have kind of all the research tools I need at my fingertips. So that's convenient. Yes. Yes. If you were going to set up a magical mystery literary tour for Emory Ames series, where would you suggest that readers went? You know, sometimes people do like to imagine that they're in Emory's world and, and follow in her footsteps. Where would be the best places to go to recapture that period in time now? Well, I guess uh, in one way you could kind of follow the, the progression of the books. They're kind of set in different locations. They, uh, they go, yes. The first book, they're kind of on the south coast of England and then in London and then um, the third books in, in the British country, countryside in Shropshire. And then I did an e-short story where they're actually uh, in Capri and then they went to Paris. And then the next book that's actually coming out next year, I just finished and they're going to New York. So I guess you could kind of kind of go from city to city and, oh, and follow them there. But I've yeah. also put in a few uh, uh, especially in like the Paris and in London, you know, a lot of the little uh, nightclubs or restaurants and things they visit are places you could still go today. So that would be kind of fun. Actually, I wrote the Paris book. No, I'm sorry. The, um, I wrote the Paris book after I'd been to Paris, but I hadn't been to London yet when I wrote the second book, uh, death wears a mask. And in that book, there's a scene set at the Ritz. And so when I went to London, I was able to go to the Ritz and it was kind of exciting for me to see this, you know, pl place where I had set a scene. And actually, be able to kind of. I, I had tea there, so that was fun. You know, I was kind of taking part in Amory and Milo's yeah. world. <laughs> oh, that's lovely! Yeah, that really is great. And some of the secondary characters as well. I I haven't googled them yet, but I mean, in an act of villainy, I wondered if some of the 
very much secondary characters were actually real people from that time if you'd used real names. But I must admit I haven't quite gotten around to Googling them and satisfying my curiosity. Do you use any real people just as support characters? I haven't, uh, but I kind of like that idea now that you mention it. (laughs) (laughs) It's always kind of interesting to see see a historical character, you know, kind of turn up in the background of a novel. So I, I do, I do like that idea, but no, in the act of villainy, everyone's just made up partially because usually yeah. either they're a suspect or they get murdered. So I don't want to uh, inflict that upon anybody real. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Look, if there's one thing you've done in your writing career more than any other, what do you think it would have been that's contributed to your success? I mean, it sounds like you didn't have very much difficulty in finding an agent right at the beginning, which a lot of writers do. Well, I think, um, I think, kind of the key for me was writing what I enjoy, uh, kind of a lot in a lot of my writing experience, I would try to, when I first started out writing and as I grew as a writer, I would try to, you know, emulate other styles or I try to, you know, write something kind of lofty or, you know, try to sound fancy for lack of a better word. And then I realized that when I was trying too hard, it was coming across like I was trying too hard. So I really wanted to write something that I would enjoy, enjoy because I think when you enjoy your writing, the reader enjoys reading it. So I realized that was what I really liked to, to read was these mystery novels. And then I also had a lot of fun writing them. So when I said, you know, I'm going to sit down and try and write this kind of uh, historical cozy mystery novel, then that's kind of what really, what really clicked for me. So I think writing for, you know, writing for yourself as much as writing for others is really important. And is, is there is there's another way of saying that you, trusted your own voice, that you found your writer's yes, voice and trusted it. I think it. so. Yeah. I think that's yeah. important. And yeah. I kind of found that too, as I would, uh, like I said, I have my, that ideas document on my computer where I'll just write down ideas and things. And if I get an idea for a scene, even now for a random scene for something I'm not working on, I'll just go write it for the fun of writing it. Because I feel like that really helps you hone your style and, you know, uh, develop as a writer, just writing just letting the ideas come out without trying to make them sound a certain way. Yeah, and would that be even with other characters other than the ones that you're working with at the Oh, moment? yeah, sometimes it's even, um, you know, I've got, I don't know, how 50,000 words probably on this ideas document. A lot of it I'll probably never use, but I've just enjoyed writing it. And, you know, I like to get the ideas down just in case they ever come in handy later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, turning to Ashley as reader, the series is called The Joys of Binge Reading. We do try and talk to authors who are doing series of books because people do love to follow series. And you've mentioned that you're you're an incredible bookworm yourself. So tell us about your taste in fiction. What have you enjoyed binge reading? And have you got any recommendations for people that they might like enjoy enjoy as well? Well, my kind of uh, classic, I guess, go-to comfort reads, I mentioned Agatha Christie, of course, and then I really enjoy uh, Georgette Heyer's books. I always find she's got yes. fun, you know, snappy dialogue, and she's just got such good spot-on descriptions of the expressions people use and their tone of voice when they say things. I just I just really enjoy her books. Uh, but in mystery, I really enjoy uh, Deanna Rayburn and Tasha Alexander and Annalie Huber. And then also I belong to um, um, actually a mystery writers group called Sleuths in Time, and we're composed of uh, all authors who write historical mystery series. So I, I enjoy all, all of their books. 
Fantastic. Sleuths in time. Good. I have to. Sleuths in time. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, I've been enjoying Leanne Moriarty. Uh, I know she's had, you know, the big little eye series and things yes. like that. And I read it before I saw the series and all, just all the books that I've read of hers have made me laugh out loud and cry in you know? <laughs> all of her books. I said, she's really good at evoking emotion. Yeah. And, and then kind of on the more like thriller side, I, I enjoy the Douglas Preston and Lincoln child, uh, Pendergast series, uh-huh. which is, which is, which is really enjoyable. So great. Yes. I don't, I must admit, I'm not familiar with them. So I'll have to have a look. Yes. At this stage in your career, if you were doing it all over again, is there anything you would change or do you feel very happy about the way it's progressed? I'm not really sure if I would change anything. I've really kind of uh, enjoyed the process and, you know, the path I've taken to get to where I am. Uh, And I've been really blessed and I'm so grateful to have, you know, a really supportive family and friends and, of course, wonderful readers. So it's, it's it's been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And what's next for Ashley, the writer? What are you working on? And do you have any new projects? Well, I just finished. I mentioned uh, the book set in New York. That's going to be coming out uh, next September. It's called A Dangerous Engagement. And then um, I'll soon be starting on Amory M's number seven. That's that's going to be the one I'm writing a thousand words a day on in January. <laughs> so Amory and Milo, more adventures to come. Great. Have you ever thought about doing something completely different, like, for example, contemporary? I, I thought about it. I've dabbled in a few things. It's usually when when I get ideas that I'm really inspired about, they're set in a historical time period, just because that's kind of what I enjoy most as a reader. So that's yes. kind of what, what draws me. But um, I've, I've dabbled around with a few ideas and I've got a kind of a few things on the back burner. So I guess you never know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look, with your incredibly full life, how do you discipline yourself to switch off? And what is your favorite way to relax and unwind? Uh, well, I enjoy, of course, as I mentioned, reading a wide variety of things. And I spend a lot of time with my family. And I have I have a little two-year-old niece, so I spend a lot of time with her and have a lot of fun with her. And then I enjoy traveling. Um, my schedules, yeah, I work full time at the library, but they're, they're great about giving me vacation time and things like that. So I, I, I enjoy traveling actually just, uh, at the first of this month, I went for a week to Paris. So that was really, really fun. Did you do any research in New York for the book that's coming out this year? I actually did go to New York at the beginning of this year when I was kind of in the process of writing the book. And so I feel like that, um, gave me a lot of inspiration. It wasn't, specific things I was researching or anything like that but I feel like I definitely got a taste for the city and kind of uh, a vibe that helped me when I was writing it. Yeah oh, that's great that's great. Um, we're coming to the end of our time together do you like interacting with your readers and if so where can they find you online or do you do um, sort of you know book clubs and things how do you how do you engage with your readers I absolutely love hearing from readers I um I'm on Facebook at uh facebook.com slash author Ashley Weaver and then I'm on Twitter at Ashley C Weaver and my website is www.ashley-weaver.com so they can find me there uh I haven't done a lot of uh book clubs, but I, I'm interested in doing book clubs. I always think that's fun. I've done, I've done a few things, actually, um, a local book club, probably about 30 miles away, uh, messaged me on Facebook and told me that they were reading my book and would I be interested in attending their book club. And so I got to do that. So that was a lot of fun. 
But yeah, yeah I, I absolutely love hearing from readers and, uh, and interacting with them. That's wonderful. Where in Louisiana are you actually? I'm in uh, Oakdale, Louisiana, which is kind of basically kind of right in the middle. Uh-huh. So it's a smaller, it's a smaller area here. I'm about probably two hours from Baton Rouge and then maybe about three hours from New Orleans. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you have the pleasure of sort of having a, a rather more quiet community. Yes, it's mm. pretty quiet and, and low-key. Yeah, that's great. Look, it's been wonderful talking, Ashley. Thank you so much for your time. And um, we'll be looking for coming books with interest. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great, my dear. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Joys of Binge Reading podcast. You can find all the details and links for this episode at www.thejoysofbingereading.com. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions for who you'd like us to interview next. And if you enjoyed the show, take a moment to subscribe on iTunes or a similar provider so you won't miss out on future guests. Thanks for joining us and happy reading. The Joys of Binge Reading podcast is put together with fantastic technical help from Dan Cotton and Abe Raffles. Dan is an experienced sound and video engineer who's ready and available to help you with your next project. Seek him out at dcaudioservices at gmail.com. That's D for Daniel, C for Charlie, audio services at gmail.com or check our show notes. He's fast, he takes pride in getting it right and he's great to work with. Our voiceovers are done by Abe Raffles, another gem of sound and screen. Abe has 20 years of experience on both sides of the camera slash microphone as a cameraman director and also as a voice artist and TV presenter. I think you'd agree that his voice is both light-hearted and warm. He is super easy to work with no matter what the job. You'll find him at abe, A-B-E, at pointandshoot.co.nz. As I say, the full details in the show notes on the website. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Hopefully see you next week. Bye.